This is Sharon Lavitt of the Tyndale Momentum Book Team at Tyndale House Publishers. I'm talking today with Mary Schaller and John Curley, who together have written The Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversations. Mary is the president of Q Place, a ministry that empowers Christians to engage in meaningful conversations about God with people who believe differently. John, or Crilly as he's known by his friends, spent four years as the Q Place National Field Director. Mary and Crilly, welcome and thank you for spending a little time with me to discuss the nine arts of spiritual conversations. It is a much needed book. Thank you, Sharon. Thanks, it's really good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you guys. Your book subtitle, uh, it's Walking Alongside People Who Believe Differently. And I know the book is about helping Christians know how to share their faith, which is something we've always called evangelism. So my question to you is, has the way Christians share their faith changed, or, or does it need to change? Well, Sharon, I was with a, a group of um, Christians and some people that weren't Christians recently, and we were talking about some spiritual matters, and there was a lot of diversity of diversity of opinion on several, you know, um, Christian beliefs. But the one thing that I found the Christians and the, the the people that weren't Christians could agree upon is everybody had an aversion to what we call evangelism today. Mm-hmm. And um, and and it was surprising how it was the one thing that was unifying this group of. Diverse beliefs, wow. and um, and I think that what has happened is that Jesus, in the in the four accounts of Jesus, the historical accounts of Jesus in the Bible are are called gospels, and the word gospel means good news. But somehow along the way, a lot of the ways that Christians interact with people who believe differently is not good news; it's more bad news, mm-hmm. and so. The reason being, I think, is because it's more transactional. Um, what we what we knew to be the way to share our faith was more transactional versus relational. It often became a monologue or a telling approach rather than a dialogue or a listening and uh, and two way approach. It often turned into a debate versus a discussion. Yeah. It it was often considered a one time event rather than an ongoing conversation or series of events and um and we're living in a post-christian world uh in the u.s right now for example i, I just came back from san francisco where 61 percent of the the population in the san francisco bay area would qualify themselves as not christian and uh and so in boston it's 53 percent who would qualify as post-Christian in Seattle? It's 50 percent, and as a result, we um, we need to realize that sharing outside the context of relationships, um, what we believe about God and the Bible, is often not heard and is often um, misunderstood as something that is harsh rather than um, caring about the other person. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, for most Christians who who have had their lives radically changed by Christ, sharing our faith is something we really want to do. And 
Uh, but for most of us, doing that, even though we really want to, and it's a, the dearest thing in our lives, it's such a, it's really a daunting uh, idea. And the, and as you said, the way that we were taught, many of us were taught, just isn't working anymore. And there have been so many books and methods written on how to share your faith and. Uh, a lot of us have read those, just hoping that it'll catapult us onto success and sharing our faith. So you've told us that through your research, um, your book is telling us that those old ways don't work. So what makes uh, the nine arts of spiritual conversations different? Well, Sharon, um, first we focused on the way that Jesus interacted with people. Hmm. And, and we really explored kind of the variety of patterns and practices and behaviors that Jesus used to introduce people to the Father. I mean, Jesus demonstrated that the small stuff is what counts. Hmm. Uh, for instance, like a cup of cold water. And that these simple behaviors, if we do them in his name, they can have a profound impact. And actually, they can pave the way uh, for meaningful conversations about God. So uh, what we did is as we... Uh, as we looked at the life of Christ, we discovered um, nine behaviors, we called them arts, that were a part of Jesus' relational, conversational approach to sharing the good news of the kingdom. Hmm. And so that's the first thing we did, and the first thing that's uh, different about this book. And the second is that uh, we wrote this book uh, because we really want everybody, and I mean everybody who follows Jesus, to be able to do this. It's not just intended for the pros or the pastors, the evangelists, the theologians. We really think that making a new disciple is intended to be doable for all of us. That's great. Um, that's great, because then we can actually carry out the Great Commission, which a lot of us yeah. feel guilty yeah. about not being able to do. <laughs> um, so what are the nine arts of spiritual conversation? Oh, well, that's a great question. I mean... You know, as I said, they're, 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 in general, they're the relational practices of Jesus. But what we did is um, we took uh, nine of those behaviors, we placed them into three categories of three. And so I'll just kind of break them down in those three categories of three for you first. Uh, first uh, the first breakdown is the, art, the, arts, uh, the three arts are uh, re for getting ready for spiritual conversations. So how, do, how does one go about getting ready for spiritual conversations? And that includes the art of noticing, the art of praying, and the art of listening. And, you know, the profound thing about those three arts is they're basically silent art. They don't require you to be an extrovert. They don't require you to have all of the answers and have uh, the clever arguments or uh, rebuttals to uh, or, or apologetics, um, but that we wanted to have the first three be a way for anybody and everybody to get in the game um, of making disciples, this whole idea of evangelism to get on board uh, easily and early. So those are the first three, getting ready. The second uh, three are called arts uh, for getting started. And so how do you actually kind of get the ball rolling with spiritual conversations? And these three arts are, are uh, the art of asking questions, the art of loving, and the art of welcoming. And, and uh, you can see that the art of asking questions is really kind of that transition art from listening to actually engaging, using your curiosity to open up the dialogue. As Mary talked about, you know, um, we're in a culture that is very polarized and there's not a whole lot of dialogue going on. And so how do you get that dialogue going? Well, asking questions get you there. And 
and loving and welcoming are about really creating this environment, this, uh, you know, greenhouse for, uh, uh, for these conversations to thrive. And then the final three are uh, about keeping it going. And it's the art of facilitating, the art of, the art of serving together, and the art of sharing. And, uh, the art of facilitating is about, you know, how do you keep the puck in play when you are engaged in conversations, especially with more than one person? How do you keep that conversation going using all the other arts uh, that are kind of in your toolbox and serving together? I mean, we live in a culture that, uh, especially this younger millennial generation, uh, finds a great deal of value in serving, whether they have uh, any faith uh, uh, belief system or not. They see the value of helping out their fellow man. So, how do we um, how do we use the that that uh, that uh, desire in their hearts, how do we use that uh, to introduce them to this God who is a, you know, a, a servant God who throws a towel over his arm and is ready and willing and able to serve. And then finally, the ninth art is actually the art of sharing. Interestingly, uh, throughout our, uh, uh, you know, Christian culture, the art of sharing is probably the one art that we do uh, a lot of training and, or at least some training on, and we introduce this art to uh, the, you know the church members, um, but really this art uh, this is uh, kind of far down the line in terms of uh, you know having built some relational connectedness with somebody. So to have earned the right to share your story and God's story uh, requires having some uh, built some trust already. And I think we uh, maybe we leapfrog the uh, normal relational decorum. And we jump right to, uh, you know, the sharing part, and we haven't kind of laid the foundation uh, relationally. And, and that can be, that can create a great deal of, uh, uh, you know, um, distrust. It can create, uh, uh, you know, folks that aren't, they're unwilling to listen to uh, what we may have to say about uh, God's impact on our lives or, or what, he, what his impact could be on there. So those are the nine arts. Sharon. Okay. Um, thanks for that breakdown. You know, um, nine seems like a lot, but um, when you explain them that way, it seems like they almost uh, build on one another. So do they need to be mastered or how can they be mastered? Is it a, mm. is it a perfection thing or um, help me see how anybody can do it because that is your dream for the book. Yeah, 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 thank Wow. So, um, excellent question. It's, it's not really about mastering them, Sharon. It, it's about attempting them. Uh, we really have a, a desire to, to see the church get in the game, more people in the, cheer, in the church getting in the game of, uh, uh, of evangelism and discipleship. I mean, the truth is that Jesus picked, uh, picked all of us for his team, right? Mm -hmm. he, he picked all of us and actually commanded all of us to go and make disciples. And maybe we've kind of made it harder than it needs to be. Um, our thought is that, uh, you know, really kind of what if the Great Commission to go and make disciples like, uh, like Jesus says in Matthew 28, what if that actually flows out of the Great Commandment to love God and to love people? Yeah. And so our, our actual actions originate out of a heart of love. I mean, these, these nine practices, they're intended to provide the pathway for anyone to engage people in their life. Uh, anybody in their lives who believes differently, um, and that's a way. This 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 creates that pathway for them to have those conversations about God. They don't need a PhD. They don't need special giftedness or education. Um, 
in some ways our our maybe secondary desire is really just to take the pressure off. Mm. You know, maybe it would just help if we just took the pressure off and and we approached this not like it was something we had to perfect, but really like it's something we had to practice. Um, because to get better at anything, it takes practice. For instance, take driving a car, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody starts out in driver's ed. We all start out in the same place. Even the IndyCar drivers, you know, even even uh, even the uh, Formula One drivers, they start out in driver's ed. We all sit in the classroom. We all learn the rules, rules of the road. Um, but that doesn't make us a good driver. It, even, it doesn't even make us a driver, period. We don't actually become drivers until we get behind the wheel and practice. Yeah. And so our uh, our feeling is that just like anybody can learn how to drive, everybody can learn these simple practices to engage in spiritual conversations and, and ultimately make new disciples of Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's excellent. And, um, Mary, I'm just thinking about what you said before about uh, the one thing that unified those believers and people that weren't even of any faith is their aversion to evangelism. And so now that we understand a little bit about the, the nine arts, um, tell me about why the average person, we know that the old ways didn't work. So what can you tell us about these new ways that in your life that you've practiced to encourage us all to use the, the nine arts and the wisdom in that. Uh, have you have you seen a lot of success? And and I guess I'd love you to kind of uh, define success too, which I'm guessing is a little bit different than the way we used to define it by having the person say the sinner's prayer. I'm not that that isn't what we want, but just Help help us see this a little bit differently. Well, Karen, um, I, we open up the book with a story about my sister on an airplane where she was on a flight headed back home. She was in the back row of the airplane next to the window, and there was a guy sitting next to her in the middle seat that had a Bible opened up. And this man, young man, she um she was curious about why he was reading the Bible. And uh, and so she was friendly, and she said to him, I notice you're reading the Bible. Are you, you know, from a college, Bible college or a seminary? And he said, um, no, he said, I work in a sawmill, but I, I love my church, and I love the Bible. And then he said, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And um, before she could even respond to that question, one minute after she was talking to the guy, the plane had not even taken off, um, he asked her yet another question. And the question was, um, when she prays, does she pray with with tears and great anguish? And, uh, And he said that if she didn't pray that way, that she was going to hell and was not saved when she died. Um... Well, my my sister, Carrie, was like shocked by the boldness of this young man's passion. And he started leafing through his Bible, proving his points of why what he believed about prayer was true. And um, for 20 minutes into the flight, she couldn't get a word in edgewise. And finally, she said, stop. (laughs) <laughs> don't tell me what to believe about God. She says, I, um, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And the man, the young man, looked at her, put his head down on the trade table, and burst into tears. Oh. And he stayed that way for an hour. And she was, like, 
so shocked uh, with his behavior. When he finally did sit up, she didn't want to look at him, and she, um, you know, stayed that way until they landed, and she couldn't be, you know, more excited to get away from him. So let's play the movie over again, Sharon, and let's say, you know, um, this young man had a do-over. I mean, in spite of his strange theology on career, (laughs) right, what, what what if instead of, you know, what he did, what if when she asked him that question about the Bible, what if he said, yes, you know, the Bible's important to me and, and I go to church, but in, instead of, of going right into the whole, like, do you know Jesus, um, like right when he met her, what if he, he noticed that she was curious about the Bible? And what if he asked her a question back by saying, you know, um, what experience do you have with the Bible? He would have asked a question. He he would have listened to her answer. He could have prayed that that God would give him uh, a way to exhibit the fruits of the Holy Spirit, like jo- love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness um, and self-control. And that he would he would be shown as loving her rather than judging her. Mm-hmm. And um, and if he exhibited some of those nine arts, um, what would the, the conversation have looked like? My guess is it would have looked like they talked most of the way because yeah. it turns out that my sister didn't read the Bible growing up. She grew up um, in a parochial school, but they didn't focus on the Bible. And she was now reading a one-year Bible. She's very interested and very curious, a lot of questions. They could have talked probably the whole way hmm. without um, conflict because they had a lot in common rather than um, this one area of differences where he was really trying to impose his views. My guess is that by the end of the trip, they might have been exchanging, you know, emails and mm-hmm. seeing if he, you know, if he was doing any kind of serving project, he might have invited her along or he might have um, invited her into a small group where other people were searching for what the Bible has to say. It would have been a totally different ending if he had used these nine practices rather than the one practice that he knows in his toolkit, which mm-hmm. is to share what he believed and basically ended up in a, um, a conflict. That, that scenario was bad news for both of them. Both left it wounded, yeah. both left it spiritually disoriented, yeah. and, um, and both would not qualify that as good news at all, which is mm-hmm. what Jesus is, is good news. Yeah, boy, I I loved that illustration too, and I wondered about your sister. I'm I'm kind of happy to hear that she's reading the one year Bible and that that didn't completely shut her down because <laughs> it could have. <laughs> it could have. Um, you know, it seems like there's a lot of respect in the approach that um, the nine arts gives. It you know respect for other people, and we do see that with Jesus too. That he respected the people that he engaged with. Um, so I'm thinking for those of us who still might need a little bit more convincing, you know, we've been taught that in order to effectively communicate the gospel, we need to have the key scriptures memorized, the major points of the gospel wrapped up and really ready to recite. What if we don't have that? Can we still engage can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love to, Sharon. I mean, I tell them that those are a great foundation for helping someone on the last step of their spiritual journey, what what we refer to as the art of sharing. Okay. Great foundation. But I'd also 
caution them that there, there are several other important practices that they can learn to shore up on the relational side, the bridge-building elements of making a new disciple. I mean, Jesus knew that relational connection is what builds the bridge that can bear the weight of truth, and he modeled that. And so I would encourage them at their, uh, you know, at the skill that they've achieved, and I'd also challenge them to say that uh, I think there's some simple things that, some simple building blocks that could be used that could uh, increase um, their fruit in this area of their lives. Good. And, you know, you, you touched again on the relational aspect of this whole thing, and, and the book is so rich in wisdom on building good relationships that, you know, if it didn't have the um, sharing of the gospel, it could have been a great book on just how to be a good friend, you know, at Relationships 101. It was, it was excellent. So uh, I'd love you both to speak to uh, how important is being a good friend when you want to share your faith with someone? Well, I think it's important to have trust in the relationship. Um, the The idea of being a good friend, I'm not sure is hmm. is necessary, Sharon, but okay. but there has to be some foundation of respect and trust that's beginning to be built in order for you to, to to talk about spiritual things. I mean, what, you know, the old adage is, is that you don't talk about um, politics or religion. <laughs> and and and, mm-hmm. and I think the reason being is is that you know people are afraid that they're going to be criticized, judged, or um, yelled at. And um, and when we think of Second Corinthians five fourteen, where the Apostle Paul tells us that Christ's love is what compels us. Mm. Um, you know, when love is, is, is what is driving the, the, the desire to share our faith, um, it's, it's much more natural, it's much more organic, mm-hmm. um, it's much more relational. And, you know, the, the old adage also of people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. So they're much more open. The rules change a lot when they feel that you, they like you and, um, and they trust you. They are willing to hear harder things, especially if you are, are also showing, you know, a humility and a, um, a curiosity about them and that you're seeking more to understand them than you are to be understood. Mm-hmm. There is a, um, a much more positive environment for that kind of truth. Um, I'll, I'll give you a quick example, Sharon. Um, just this last Friday, my cousin is in the hospital, and we were starting to talk about spiritual matters. And 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 I am so deeply burdened by his illness, and and I think he felt that burden um, and desire and mercy for his. Um, is getting well from this terrible cancer that he has mm. that um that as we talked about spiritual matters he knew that i cared deeply about him and so when i started to talk about my story and some of the story of the gospel he could hear it from a, a posture of love not from condemnation that makes all the difference in the world yeah and you know it reminds me of that nobody likes to be somebody else's project you know, right. So, um, thanks for that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 
Go ahead. I would I would kind of I would almost ask a question back about that, and, and that would be like if if you haven't established relational equity with somebody, mm-hmm. if you don't have trust built, then how willing is that person to hear you out, to listen to your perspective, or even to value your worldview? And I really think that um, the Christian community may already have a credibility issue in our culture, mm-hmm. uh, and non Christians. Um, often have a negative opinion about us that puts us sort of in a deficit as it relates to trust. So building trust in a friendship helps to provide kind of that environment for people to safely explore things of God with you uh, without fear of judgment or harm or, you know, uh, being shunned for not knowing certain things. So I really, um, that would be one, that would be the thing I would ask is, uh, is, how uh, willing would somebody else be to hear you when there's, uh, or would you be to hear somebody else when there isn't that relational equity built? And I think Mary nailed it by just saying, you know, the simple phrase that, uh, you know, the rules change when you're in a relationship. Yeah. Um, and, and we see that, you know, to be true time and time again. Yeah, I I really I really love the book um, because of the great examples that you show and and these additional ones that you've given me now are great. And then I the other thing I'd like you to talk to talk about are some of the real practical helps in the book. Well, um, I can take that, Sharon. You know the the book. First of all, it could be read individually, and, and you can get the concepts of what these nine practices are. And then you can also understand how, if you, um, if you are having spiritual conversations with somebody, how they might really organically and naturally transition into ongoing spiritual conversations with more than one person, maybe a, you know, a small group of eight to 12 people that get together on a regular basis to talk about God and the Bible. Um, the, the book describes that transition of how these nine practices often, and the last three, as, as Curly mentioned, are, um, are really more in a group setting, um, how, how to facilitate, how to um, help people serve together, and, and how to share what, um, what you believe and your own story of, of having met Jesus yourself. So the um, the resources take you through a journey of starting out with, with just a few of these practices and how they build to potentially having ongoing spiritual conversations. But at the end of every chapter, there is um, a few discussion questions and there's um, a few practices because if you, if you get a small group together or we, we're a, at Q Place, we're a big fan of triads, three people that get together on a regular basis to um, start a group where they can invite people that are not sure what they believe but are spiritually curious. So we, we call those triads, and um, and this book could be used with three people that are, are wanting to get better at these practices and commit and hold each other accountable to um, read a chapter and then go off and um, practice for a week and then come back and share how it went. Because there is no failure here, you know. It's um, it's a matter of, like Curly said earlier, it's a matter of attempts. And every attempt is like, um, you know, even if you fall off a bike the first time you try to ride it, that was not a failure. That was one more attempt closer to being able to ride the bike without falling. And so mm-hmm. you, um, 
you have these um, these opportunities to practice and to continue to improve at the way that you listen or notice or um, ask questions or welcome. And so, but um, in addition to those, the, um, there's scripture throughout the the whole book, as as you know. Um, mm-hmm. We constantly are pointing people back to Jesus and saying. Here's here's where in Jesus's life he noticed, or or you know, like say he he noticed um, the woman at the well. He noticed Zacchaeus up in the tree. Mm-hmm. So we try to pe- keep bringing people back to what Jesus did and how these practices continue to tie back to Jesus, because we know in um, in First John two six. You know, the, um, the Apostle John says, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And so, so these practices are constantly tied back to Jesus. And then not only do we tell stories that are told in the Bible, you know, about Jesus and his interactions and his parables, but we tie those, those principles to our own stories. And, um, and Curly has some fabulous stories about a lot of these different practices. And, and so do I. That, um, that allow us to see how it translates to the 21st century. And so, um, and the other, one last um, resource that's in there, it's kind of a, a hidden gem in the very back of the book, yeah. is um, there's a, um, there's a uh, web link to an assessment tool that, um, that allows you to go to this link and, uh, and to take the assessment of how, what is your heart um, like for the lost, um, the people that don't know Jesus, what um, what's your skill level at these nine practices? It allows you to say, you know, oh wow, you know, I just took this assessment and it looks like I could I could improve in the area of listening, and and then that allows you to have laser focus and intentionality on getting better at you know one or two of these particular arts. I know for me, even though you know I wrote half of the book. I still have areas where when I took the assessment, I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know, I may know those practices, but I'm not very good at them because I, I, I haven't really been intentional at, at getting better at them. And, uh, and so um, and then the last part of the assessment um, allows you to, to, to see how ready you are to start one of these um, Q places, which is a group of two to 12 people that get together on a regular basis to talk about God and the Bible with some um, with people that are majority not already Christians, so that there's more diversity in, uh, in what is shared and more ability to learn from one another. Wow. Yeah, and, and so the book, Sharon, you know, I, yeah. I think the thing is that we try to take these uh, very practical and uh, approachable relational skills, like you mentioned, but we try to say, you know, that honestly, we're just not, not only we're we not good in normal relationships uh, as followers of Jesus, but that means that we're not good at uh, these, these, you know, kind of important, significant relation, uh, uh, conversations about uh, God. And so we try to connect the dots for people uh, in this book to say, you know, the small stuff does count. Uh, it's not the outcome that we're focused on. You know, whether somebody comes to Jesus is really all God's business. Mm-hmm. Um, we're taking our responsibility to show up and mm-hmm. to follow God's prompting and to be in prayer for people and to engage people. Um, but mm-hmm. what we ultimately want is we want people to try it out. Yeah. We, we want to celebrate attempts. We want more followers of Jesus to get in the game because we just strongly believe that if we get more of the church activated, 
that, uh, you know, that's God's uh, hands and feet and that he'll do his work uh, through and, um, you know, because of the church. So, so that's why we're so excited about this. Yeah, and, you know, it's it. I, I know you've given me so much of your time, but I just want to thank you both for this encouragement because I think that so often Christians have felt like if we don't get to that, crossing that line, it's our fault and we're a failure and really outcomes belong to God, which is what you're saying. So, yeah, so, yeah thanks for the encouragement. Uh, thanks for your time today. For those who want to know more about you, Crilly, do you have a website? How can they connect with you? Yeah, uh, they could go to johncrilly.net, J-O-H-N-C-R-I-L-L-Y.net. We'd love to connect with anybody and everybody. Okay. And then, um, Mary, if they want to find that assessment, if they go to the QPlace website, can you give us that address, and will they be able to find the assessment quickly on the website? Um, yes, they will, Sharon, and they can find it a couple ways. They can go to our main website, qplace.com, okay. um, and they can go to slash resources um, forward slash um, assessment. That's one way. Another way is to go directly to this website called the nine, the number nine, the nine arts.com. And, uh, and they, they will right now be able to get a, um, a PDF that they can download, and um, soon that's going to be in a, um, a digital interactive form. The other thing that I want to mention, though, yeah. Sharon, is the book was, was actually written after the curriculum. I know we did this backward, <laughs> but um, Curly and I wrote a, a series of, um, of modules, learning modules. There's 37 of them. There's four learning modules on every one of those nine arts. So, for example, if you wanted to really get better at listening and you um, got together a, a few people or a full small group to uh, study the curriculum, you could do four weeks. You could do four weeks on just listening, for instance. The first week you would learn why we should listen. The second week you would learn why we don't listen. The third week, you'd learn um, what is genuine listening. And then the, the fourth week would be, how do you genuinely listen? And there's practices, there's discussion questions. And so you could really focus on any one of these nine arts in, um, in small group curriculum that would help you to, to really get some great practice at um, each one of those nine arts. Okay. Yeah, and and Sharon, just, just to yeah. tag on that, you know, we just I, – I, I, I would encourage anybody and everybody to, uh, to, to look into that because we, we just strongly believe that people learn best when they discover it for themselves, right? So that's, yeah. that's why the questions and the practices in each chapter uh, are intended to reinforce that. And that's why this, these, the, this training curriculum that supplements the book uh, is, is intended, to, what, that's what it's intended to do. I mean, we could have written a whole lot more about, for instance, how to use the art of listening or we could challenge the reader to actually practice certain things about listening, like, for instance, practice refraining from giving advice for a whole week in, in, in your conversation. And the reader, the, the, the participant, is going to learn much more by actually practicing. So. Oh, absolutely. That would be, I should do that. <laughs> I'm getting excited <laughs> about that. That would be great. All right. So. Well, those resources are available on our website, um, in our um, our store, Sharon. Okay. All right. W W 
www.qplace.com and look in the store. Okay, all right. Well, thanks again for everything. And for the people listening, the Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversations is available now. Uh, anywhere books are sold, online or in mortar, in brick and mortar, uh, old-fashioned stores. So please, if you've been afraid to share your faith, and you, I hope you've been encouraged by listening to Crilly and Mary talk about how easy this is to do and uh, and what a joy it would be to, to start practicing. So thanks again, and uh, have a great day, both of you. Thanks. Thanks Thank Sharon. you, Sharon. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.